The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songezoma Petre on SAFM. Hi, um, so we are back. And um, for, for those of you who've just joined, um, I'm Dr. Gil Dabani. I'm a medical oncologist at Sentinel Oncology, and I'm trying out a, a new job tonight. Um, and hopefully <laughs> if this medical oncology thing doesn't pan out, you know, hopefully I can do something else. Um, so tonight my guest is Dr. Ernst Marais. And Dr. Marais is um, the COO of um, Independent Clinical Oncology Network, also called um, ICON, um, a, a managed care organization that is really focused on value-based care. Um, I'm going to be talking to him tonight just to expand more on ICON, uh, what it means for cancer care, for cancer patients, and why the public should care. Um, hi, Ernst. Hi, Q, and good evening. Good evening. Thanks for, for, for joining us. Um, perhaps just a bigger background for, for, for the listeners. Um, what is ICON and why should cancer patients care about it? Um, ICON is a um, network of oncologists that uh, represents about 80% of the oncologists in the private sector in, in, in South Africa. Um, that is about uh, um, 160 oncologists and hematologists um, that treat patients on a, on a daily basis. ICON was established um, 12 years ago, and it was really done in the, um, in the face of rising costs. Um, cancer treatment um, and the treatment of, of, of the speciality of oncology is, in many countries, the most um, expensive uh, medical field that, that there is. And um, the, in the private sector in South Africa, we have medical schemes that, that pay for, for this treatment and um, oncologists that, that do the treatment. And uh, there was a bit of a misalignment um, in the past about uh, what medical schemes wish to pay for and what doctors, um, how doctors wanted to, to treat patients. Um, medical schemes often had to put in place uh, certain measures to try and control costs. Um, these would be benefit design, so if you would buy a medical scheme or um, subscribe to a medical scheme, you would find that your oncology benefit would have a RAND limit to it. Um, and they also have other um, scheme rules uh, that is associated uh, or trying to, to maintain uh, the, the cost of, of, of treatment in, in the oncology space. Um, and this uh, was also um, uh, dependent on a, on a very elaborate, what we call a pre-authorization process, where um, oncologists have to complete treatment plans and submit it to medical schemes so that they can check against their rules whether or not the, the treatment can be funded. Um, and often what, what, what oncologists ran into um, was uh, that different medical schemes had different rules and different, different limits. It led to a lot of frustration and tension on, on both sides, um, uh, both on the funding side and, and on the treatment side. And what ICON tried to do is to, to bridge that gap between um, oncologists and, and the funders. And um, okay. we set up the, the network and the oncologists collaborated to write treatment protocols that's evidence-based, and um, we came up with an alternative funding model. We contract now with about two-thirds of the medical scheme market, um, and it's really so that doctors can decide how they want to treat their patients. They determine the rules of the game, and medical schemes know what, what to expect. Um, and, yeah, we've been so, going so on for, for the last 12 years. 
So, so Ernst, you know, you bring up a very important um, issue about the cost of cancer care because I can tell you that when I see a patient and we discuss the toxicities of the treatment, one of the key things that we discuss is financial toxicity, the fact that chemotherapy and all these new t- targeted treatments, all these fancy treatments can actually bankrupt patients. Um, how do you, as, as ICON, sort of merge a value-based care, which is really what ICON is about, um, and, 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 and cutting-edge treatments? How does the doctor at the coalface of treatment merge giving value um, with giving patients world-class cutting-edge therapies that cost their fortune? Yeah. Um, so that is a, a very um, complex matter, um, and it's, it's trying to find um, the balance um, between um, clinicians' duty to provide the best possible care um, but also in the same time trying to control the ever-escalating costs of, of cancer treatment. So the, the cost um, of, of cancer treatment goes up every year in multiples of, of normal inflation. Um, and as, as you said about, uh, you mentioned financial t- um, toxicity in, in, in the U.S., which has a very similar healthcare system than um, South Africa, the um, or the private sector in South Africa, uh, one of the, the biggest reasons for for bankruptcy is um, medical expenses, um, and mm-hmm. therefore mm-hmm. it is um, also our duty to to not just take care of the physical part of of the patient, but also mm-hmm. to understand what the financial mm-hmm. impact of treatment is going to be. Um, so value based mm-hmm. care is is uh, a term that is being used quite a lot in in healthcare circles these days. It's been around for a while, and it was. Um, coined by Michael Porter, um, and it is uh, in opposition to what a traditional funding model in, um, in healthcare is, uh, what we call a fee-for-service uh, model. Fee-for-service basically means that doctors and hospitals get paid for volume, for what the procedures that they do and uh, the interventions that they do. Value-based care is an, an opposite to that is that it um, pays for improved outcomes. Um, and that that is something that um, one would measure, uh, make sure that one once we understand what outcomes are important to patients, um, we can uh, create funding models around that, um, where we have uh, bundled payments for a full episode of care for something like, say, for breast cancer, from beginning mm. to end, um, and uh, that that it uh, uh, it, it helps um, to to pay for, for better outcomes in, in patients as, as opposed to the volume um, of work that doctors do. Okay, so we'll come back to value-based care um, in a minute. We just have two callers um, on the line. I think let's chat to them and then, um, then I'll pick it up um, just to clarify a little bit about value-based care um, after the calls. Fantastic. Let's okay. go to Mike in Durban and then after Mike, Sello in Mokopane, after which we will play the voice notes. So far, we have one. Space for more is theirs. Mike in Durban, good evening. Good evening, uh, Sugeso. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, but I joined in a bit late when you were asking questions about NHI. So I'm a renal patient with diabetes. I have a medical aid. It costs me over 4500 rand a month just for myself. Sure. Okay? My biggest concern is if government comes to the party and joins the NHI, and we in this country are almost bankrupt financially, how is government, when there's no state-owned entity that is ever working in this country, how are they going to help the NHI? It's not making sense to me. 
that is what, what my question was all about. Sure. Thank you very much, Mike. In Durban, between Dr. Tabane or Dr. Mere, there shall be a response to your question. Let's go to Selon Mokopane, please. Thanks, Tangazo. Hola. Y- yes, but thanks. Look, I, I think I'll co- um, I'm, 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 I'm on the same view with uh, the previous call I came late. But for the benefit of what I've heard quickly, especially about uh, the NHI, I do not think Sondeswa at this stage, at this time, our government can afford that. Um, like many people um, who are concerned about how our government cannot um, utilize the budget that they've been given correctly so, how our government cannot keep the corruption and so forth and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the NHI, I think, is going to be another big scam whereby close friends of politicians are going to be mingled there and loot another money that we are going to have a commission of inquiries and nothing happened to that. So I think the government, if they, they listen to us people, they should fix the current um, dire situation in the hospitals and, 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 and then take it from there. Not to make another uh, program that is going to fail, uh, whereby they are going to steal the money and then nothing happened to the people. I mean, it cannot go on like Fantastic. this. Fantastic. Got you. you. Thank you so much. Selon Mukupane. Let's play the voice note or voice notes. But for the record, we are talking about oncology, and which doesn't necessarily, in fact, it doesn't at all mean radiation. So let's try and limit, if, you, if we can, please, the scope of our questions in relation to our guests to oncology, which is really medication, the process of treating a patient in relation to one's condition. We are getting a lot of questions to that, and we are sensitive to that, which is, if anything, is an IP for us to take forward in this Cancer Awareness Month that we will, at the appropriate time during between now and the end of the month, deal with radiation specifically as it pertains to cancer. For now, let's talk oncology, please. Let me give that or those questions to Dr. Mare on the NHI. Let's play the voice note, please. Good evening, Songezo and the SAFM listeners. This is Gosnati Walzer from East London. Songez, I'd like to thank you for the topic that you just brought on air tonight. I think it is very important a topic to talk about as South Africans and a nation. And I think this is very important for us in a way that men, most of us, we take for granted that cancer does kill and cancer is a serious disease. I have one of the persons that we've decided that I'll undertake and undergo uh, the checkup as from tomorrow. Uh, I'm scheduled to be assessed on Thursday. Thank you so much. And thank you for your guest. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. We do appreciate that. Respond to the NHI questions, please, Ernst. But this most previous um, WhatsApp voice note, please, Dr. Tabane, respond to that gentleman because I think that's the kind of attitude in the medical health care you want from potentially your patients. Absolutely. Should I um, give it a go? Um, I can think uh, um, QoS uh, touched on some of the, the NHI issues earlier, and I think that uh, um, 
everyone in South Africa um, understands that there's a dire dire need for universal health coverage, and no one is uh, um, against that. Um, there are obvious concerns uh, about uh, the way that it is going to be funded, where the money is going to come from, the cost of, of, of uh, such a thing. But in South Africa, only 9 million um, people have uh, medical aid out of the um, 50 odd million people in, um, in the country. Um, and uh, even the medical aid uh, population is under strain with, with contributions. But the, the 9 million has access to um, the, the vast majority of doctors. Um, there are many more um, oncologists in the private sector than there, there are in, in the state. Um, they also have access to um, the infrastructure. So um, in oncology, we have um, the, the medical treatment, which includes chemotherapy, but we also have radiotherapy. And um, to set up a radiotherapy unit costs um, in excess of, of, of 60 million rand. So it's, it's very expensive to, to set this up. Um, I think the, one of the, the, the first steps um, towards NHI is to develop public-private partnerships um, for, for state to work closer um, and the private sector work to work closer with each other to, to give um, the state uh, patients access um, to the infrastructure and, and um, expertise that exists in, in the private sector as well. Um, ICON is uh, um, running a couple of very uh, successful projects at this point in time. Um, we have uh, um, in the Northern Cape set up a, a radiotherapy facility and contracted with, uh, with the government there. And um, it is, um, uh, we are treating, uh, working very closely with the, with the government um, oncologists and uh, they, they're using the, the private facilities to, to treat patients. Um, other, other programs exist in, in um, the, the Southern Cape, in, in George as well. And in the in the Eastern Cape, we have very um, good relationships with the government. Okay, so 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 I think perhaps um, I just have one or two other questions for you, Ernst. Um, just to bring it back, you know, before we took the course, you you were talking about value-based care, and what I want to ask you is, you know, what you want to expand in in layman's terms, what we mean by value-based care. And also, what do you say to people who say value-based care is, is cheaper care or, or substandard care? Yeah, so, um, Kiel, I think that uh, the, um, the, there's, there's a value equation in, in healthcare that we talk about. And, and um, that value equation is that value equals outcomes over cost. So what the focus is, is that we want to improve outcomes um, and get better results for the treatment that we give while maintaining the cost. And that is the, the, the principle of, of value-based care. Um, and the, the focus is um, to move away from where we pay for volume and uh, to determine what outcomes are important to patients and to focus on those and to set up uh, uh, programs, protocols, and treatment pathways that will deliver better outcomes and that um, doctors then can get remunerated on what they do um, and the results of what they do, not on how much they do. Um, that is sort of a broad term in, in terms of, of value-based care. Mm. And the, as you said, the, the biggest risk is that people would think um, that uh, you are trying to be cheap and nasty and trying to, to limit um, access to certain treatments. But value-based care is about giving the right patient the right care at the right time but also at the at the right price. It's not about cutting corners. So what what underpins um, value based care is the measurement of of quality, 
patient satisfaction and of actual response to treatment. So if you are thinking, if people think that this is about um, not doing certain things and making sure that you save a fund of money, um, if that is, that's a completely the wrong impression because the quality is what underpins value-based care. Okay, I think we've got... Good evening, Senator, and to your guest, Dr. K. Carl from Durban. Um, I just was reading on the BBC Health last night that the uh, Nobel Prizes have just been awarded this year to three doctors from the UK um, for work that they've done in, in make, helping the body's own immune system fight cancers spectacularly successfully with melanoma and apparently also applicable to lung and kidney at the moment. So just if you could ask Dr. K, is, is there any likelihood of that treatment's been available in South Africa soon, and is it very expensive? Thank you. Yes, so immunotherapy is actually, um, you know, one of my areas of interest. Um, so you will be pleased to know that immunotherapy has, in fact, been around in South Africa for for quite a while, for in excess of five five years. Um, you know, we we there are immunotherapy drugs that are registered at the moment for melanoma, um, for lung cancer, um. And we're also running quite a number of immunotherapy clinical trials in various centers in the country. The issue about immunotherapy is that how it works is that it corrects the body's immune system for the immune system to better identify the cancer. But of course, the challenge, as you point out, is cost. Um, and, and although we've got these wonderful therapies, the difficulty is that not everybody can access them. The cost of immunotherapy is often not sustainable for the uh, ordinary person. And that's really where the next wave of work needs to go in and to say, how do we make this amazing treatment accessible to people? Um, I think we're going to also need to, to, to look at, uh, at, at wrapping up. Um, I'm going to, um, I hope I've answered your question, Carl. Um, I just want to say to find out, Ernst, if you've got like some closing comments, what is your hope for ICON? What what does the future look like for ICON? Um, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's twofold. I think that in um, it, it is to to address funding issues uh, both in the in the private sector and in the public sector. I think that um, we need to rethink the way that we we pay for cancer treatment in, in South Africa, and I think we we are the journey that we're on is to um, get into full value-based contracting with our, with our medical schemes, um, that the focus is on patient outcomes and not just on, on, on saving money. Um, and I think that the mantra, and I've said this earlier, is, um, is, is, is that we want to give the right patient the right care at the right time and, and at the right price. And um, to create um, equitable access to uh, oncology treatment in South Africa, to all South Africans, um, if it, it shouldn't be uh, treatment that is only available um, to a privileged few. Um, there, there, there's enough um, resources and um, oncologists in South Africa to provide services to the, the whole of the population. And um, I think that it's really to see um, ICON being... Um, part of the development of uh, universal health coverage in South Africa. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Enz, for your time, for joining us. It's really been a very insightful discussion, and, and, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Ernest. Thank you. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you for everything that you're doing in the oncology space. Thanks.
Thank you so much, Dr. Tabane, as well as your guest, our guest, the nation's guest, Dr. Mare. We are incredibly fortunate in that it's exactly 21 hours. So let's take the news break. Dr. Kio, please stay put. I need five minutes of your time, please, after the news, just to wrap it up nicely so that you can also have an opportunity to say goodbye to our listeners. Good evening. Great close. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. Doc, welcome back. Thank you so much for the indulgence of your time. I am strictly left with five minutes with you. And I've just realized we didn't at all speak about Happy Me Foundation outside you saying you are one of its co-founders. So let's actually have a short conversation about Happy Me Foundation because this is the only time we will have it before I ask some follow-up questions on the previous discussion. Please. So, so Happy Me Foundation was really um, founded on the premise that, um, you know, when you get older in inverted commas, you, you want to do a, <laughs> more stuff outside of yourself, um, stuff for which you're not necessarily going to get reimbursed or, or paid in monetary terms. And and I felt that come to a point in my life where I wanted to to give my time to, to, to people who, who couldn't pay me back. And I thought, what better way to do that than to invest in young girls? Um, and so that's how this foundation was was formed, to really try and use um, sanitary towels as a tool to connect with the girls. So it's not it's more than just about um, raising funds to provide these girls in impoverished communities with sanitary towels. But it's really to say, I see you, I connect with you, and also to in a subconscious way, without preaching to the girls to say, you know, look at me, I grew up in a village, I went to school at the foot of a mountain in Magau. Um, and, and and yes, with a stroke of, 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 of luck and, and, and parenting and, and all that, I'm here and so can you, you know, if, if um, it's not all rosy that uh, if you dream of it, you can become it, it's not that way. But there's also hard work so that when opportunity knocks, you're ready. Um, but one doesn't want to go to preach to girls. So what we decided to do together with my co-founder, Dr. Zella, is to say, Say we can use this vehicle of raising funds for provision of sanitary towels to these girls to to use it to connect with them on that level um, and to to grow together with them, um, you know, to 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 take it forward. So that's really what what it's about. So basically, Happy Me raises funds um, to uh, provide the girls with the Happy Me pad. Um, um, to basically keep them in school and, and to try and level the playing ground between boys and girls in terms of uh, opportunity and, and achievement and, 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 and um, education, really. Wonderful initiative. Thank you for that. We appreciate the fact that you are being as selfless as the foundation inherently is all about. About the previous conversation, the funding of health care, especially when we're talking about chronic diseases as cancer invariably for many people is... The tension, it's a long question, it's a deep question, it needs a panel on its own, the producers are aware we're going to have a follow-up on that. But tease us, I am your patient, but you need facilities, a hospital, to be able to genuinely treat me, more especially when you're not available for me. You need the nurses, and that's when you need your big guys out there. I'm not going to mention names for want of advertising airtime. 
and the funding thereof is completely outside your hands as well as that of the hospital that is hosting your mm-hmm. patient. It's in the funders and there's a big guy out there somewhere in Santon in some shiny house who is very particular about where their money goes. That tension, even the practitioner's ability to charge the correct PMB code, prescribed minimum benefit code, so that the funder can pay according to the established rate stroke tariff. This thing, I'm not talking about VBC because the value-based care is a good initiative which is going to eat into this tension, but this tension is big. It's inherent and it is far from being solved. You know, so I've been in private practice for 12 years and, um, and I think for me there are two principles that have really helped me to champion the course of treatment for patients. Um, one is to um, understand that as a doctor, you also um, you can intercede on your patient's behalf. You can fight for your patients because you know the rules better than the patients. You know how to motivate care for your patients. And, you know, I think so as doctors, we also need to take an interest beyond the treatment to say, how do I bet- get the best care for this treatment with the funds that they've got available? But also to recognize that medical insurance is not an infinite pot of money. You know, the, the, the drugs are expensive. The immunotherapy drugs cost up approximately 90,000 rand every three weeks for at least two years that the average person cannot afford. And nobody's got a million rand in the oncology benefit. And I think the moment we as doctors and patients realize that medical funds also need to be managed appropriately for best outcomes and best value, then it diffuses this tension because we recognize that the medical aid does not have an infinite pot of money, that nobody's got a million or two million rent in the oncology benefit. How do we then go about um, bringing on board the doctor, the patient, the patient's wishes, pharmaceutical companies in terms of why these drugs um, are so expensive and what can be done, and the funder. And so the solution um, includes all these these parties. And of course, like I said, um, you know, we said before, this is a lengthy discussion. It really needs another dis- uh, interview and panel on its own um, to hear from pharma what what are they doing to bring the cost down, to hear from hospital groups, you know, how are they doing to support um, the patient's journeys, and to also hear from doctors to say beyond the prescription, how do you fight and champion the cost of care for your patients? Mm, very deep. I, I do propose because I, I'm just engaging from what the listeners were willing to ask and participate through. And it is an appropriate time to have it because it is Cancer Awareness Month. Could we then propose, Doc, that you do come back and just perhaps canvas one or two other names where we can have a moderated discussion through me, where we then can get Mm -hmm. into this, because I mean, there are many persons who have taken care of their health, but every other economic indicator of their lives has just pretty much been gone bust, including but not limited (laughs) to having to mortgage your house or just completely change a lifestyle, including downgrading your children, which can't possibly be easy for a parent. Now, you, you mentioned the tensions inherent to that. It's not a bottomless pit of money funding medical health care mm. in the private sector because just by having medical aid, it doesn't mean therefore you've now crossed that Rubicon in that you'll never have to pay outside your monthly premium. Mm-hmm. So I do propose that we engage offline, please, for want of time. We can't do so now in terms of engaging one or two other names with you and then we have you return for a moderated discussion in terms of how we can move as a society to, first of all, understand the funding model at least in a manner that we can at least appreciate. And then also where such innovations can come through of the kind VBC is through ICON's implementation. Otherwise, thumbs up to you. Thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Say goodbye to the listeners.
Thank you for having me. It's 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 been fun. Um, I've really uh, enjoyed it. And um, and I think just one quick uh, message to to the listeners. Um, a, re- a message that we cannot repeat often enough. Get screened. Get screened. Get screened. Early uh, cancer and uh, detecting is is, is curable. Fantastic. Thank you so much then, Dr. Kiyo Tabane. Just a couple of voice notes that we're going to play in the context of the segment, after which we will take a break, and then we will get on with the African narrative. For now, goodbye, Dr. Tabane. Chat soon. Bye. Good night. Bye. Um, good evening to Songezo and your guests. Uh, I just wanted to ask two quick questions. Um, firstly, in terms of checking for cancer, what sort of uh, tests and what frequency should one do them to to check um, in case you might have it and secondly in terms of the cost uh, I heard your guest mentioning that the cost can be very high even bankrupting someone Um, does the medical fraternity work like the market economy whereby if there's more specialists the prices would go down or is it like standardized charges no matter how many specialists there are thank you Martin from Afrika Good evening, Songezo. You know, they worry uh, about the NHI system, as we've seen with the COVID-19 funds, uh, is misappropriation of funds uh, by um, government officials and those who are trusted uh, with the money. We don't have checks and balances in the country, although it's a good system, but currently we don't have checks and balances to avoid that Nadine Mara's back. Thank you so much, Nati. Appreciate your comments on that. I share, for the most part, those sentiments as you do, Martin. We would have tried to answer some of those questions, but to the extent that we haven't, we certainly shall in a replay of this discussion only with a wider guest lineup in that it would be a moderated discussion. Yes, costs are a, are a real issue. And I think if I may even venture a response to that, it's, it's, it's not dependent on the availability of skills that will determine the cost. There are tariffs that are in place for that precisely to take away the need of fluctuating and irregular pricing structures in relation to that. If you will just Google prescribed minimum benefits and then talk and I mean then consider tariffs in relation to that that might be a better way to engage what would then be a response for your question but of course we will canvas that later on when we have our guests on a panel for the purposes of engaging some of the deeper questions you raised thanks everybody it was wonderful that was the health discussion on the tuesday takeover with dr Tabani. after the break it's the african narrative of course it is tuesday